Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I am oh my God, they, they let us back on again. Yeah, and I'm midway through my gallon of coffee. All right, so this time we're going to talk about cult movies. Yeah, and this is definitely a, a Todd thing because, in part, um, little known fact about Todd, but if he called a movie theater at one point for movie times, he, oh, was, yeah. he was the movie phone guy. That was an exciting time plus i got free movie tickets so that was super exciting for lending out his voice personality I, and soul i got a girlfriend out of it for a little while did you i mean and especially we, we never we never had sex at the theater i know you're going to ask that question and it's one of my regrets that we didn't have sex in that theater well she worked there so it'd be kind of a conflict of interest i know but she was in charge we could have found some dark corner someplace Oh, like the projection room? Or, you know, I mean, there's many projection rooms. That was a 9 or 10. No, it was like 10 or 12 theater complex. And, yeah, it's usually you know, the grunts were downstairs, you know, selling popcorn and jujubes and all that other crap, you know. So they would just be upstairs starting movies. I mean, totally could have done that. So I mean, Granted, trying to have sex while something like, I don't know, like Geely with Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck was playing, I, I oh, don't yeah. know. That was that was them, right? Yes, that was them. I think it's, there was a tie at one, or Glitter by, with Mariah Carey. Oh, Jesus. I think those... There's, at, there's a cult movie. That one got picked up in certain circles. I think those at the time were two of the like worst rated movies of all time. Was Geely a Kevin Smith movie? No, no. He did he did a movie called Jersey Girl. That ben oh, Affleck yeah. Did, and um, Jennifer Lopez was in like the first five minutes because that was his wife and then she died. That he, he was like a, a widower and had this little girl. And But yeah, she was in it for five minutes. But yeah, that comes up a conversation with Kevin Smith about the whole Geely thing. But you want to talk about cult movies, Clerks 3 is going to be out soon. But the original Clerks, if anything, for, for one, um, <laughs> I, I used to, you remember Randall, the guy that worked at the video store, right? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I used to get a lot of people that told me I was Randall. And I don't think they're that far off. Except for the, you know, there's, the, uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh... Dante. Dante, yeah, finding out that his girlfriend blew 37 guys. You suck 37 dicks? <laughs> In a row? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's what made that first one so good. It was like how he put the jokes together. No time for love. 
Dr. Jones. Uh, the awkwardness of it. Like, when he did Clerks 2, I was kind of disappointed with that because it just seemed so far away from Clerks 1. And then some of the jokes were really forced, like the whole, like, donkey show thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that made the first one, and I think makes really enemies, they're all really dialogue-heavy. And that's probably why they're not for everybody, because, like, a lot of people would... Evident of like the Marvel movies being so fucking popular is, you know, people don't want to pay attention to dialogue and don't want to actually pay attention to like a plot line. They'd are just rather see it blowing up. Yeah. Now three straight hours. Like hearing that the new Batman movie was a three-hour movie immediately makes me go, nope. Like actually, that one I didn't mind the length. Although the the ending got to be a bit much. It almost got to be like kind of Return of the King, where it's like, why are there like five endings? <clears throat> but for the most part, yeah, that three hours thing with Batman actually went by pretty quick. But anyway, so back to cult stuff. So yeah, you're totally right. Clerks, the first one, awesome cult movie. Mall Rats. The second one was a great cult movie. Chasing Amy was a great cult movie. But after that, he's, obviously, they started to throw some real money at him. And he's you know, getting a little more Hollywoodized. Oh, Dogma, Dogma was, good. was a great movie, but that's not a cult movie. No, not really. That was, that was a, especially with having George Carlin in it. Yeah, but George Carlin would have done that shit free. Pretty Maybe much. Just because it had, you know, religious uh, content and related to it, but... I think like the first, I guess, cult movie you you'd say it is now. Even though I remember seeing the TV ads for it was UHF. Well, no, I mean when they talk about cult movies, usually Rocky Horror Picture Show is it because it was a huge bomb. But then it got on the midnight uh, showing circuit, and that's where it kind of blew up into this whole thing. The people with water guns and throwing toast at the screen and coming up with all this other weird shit. That's like a. To me, that's a separate cult thing where you have all this uh, other activity that goes with it. And today we're just going to talk about just kind of these little weird movies. Yeah, there's there's certain ones. I mean, do it deaf for me just because there aren't a lot of people that could sit through it. <laughs> I know, it's so bizarre. It's just so stream of consciousness. And it was also the first time that you saw, is it Michael, Michael Richards? Uh, well, he, he did some stuff before that um, those those problem child movies and he was like a, a psycho killer in like first or second one and yeah he, I mean if you look at look him up on the internet he, he did a bunch of little odds and ends here and there but that was like the first one where he kind of got like some some focus and then you know it wasn't that long after that where he got into Seinfeld and became Kramer Hard not to consider a lot of 80s movies now, though, cult movies, just because of, like, the just rampant, like, sexual conduct and, and things like that that was going on. Like, if you watch Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield and stuff like that, you're like, oh, my God, dude, like, you would <laughs> like, this is so blatantly not a movie that you could make now anymore. Oh, God, no. Just, like... You know, the rampant misogyny are just like, okay, and now titties. Okay, moving on to the plot. All right. <laughs> and like, like uh, oh, here's a, here's a needless shower scene. And titties. <laughs> Although occasionally you might see like some man, man ass. Um, like Mel Gibson, I was re-watching uh, the first Lethal Weapon movie. And 
I mean, you can tell that guy was making a point to show off his ass. Do we know, though, that it was his ass? Yeah, pretty much, because, I mean, it was a long shot. It wasn't one of those quickie things. Sometimes you would see that with, like, women doing movies, and there'd be a boob shot, but you wouldn't ever see her head. You know, it was, it was like, you kind of look at her profile, like, those aren't the right boobies. Um, but anyways, yeah, so Mel Gibson, that was his ass, because you basically follow him on this long tracking shot where you see him in bed, he gets up out of bed, he walks over to get a smoke or a beer or something, and there's the two hands. So, uh, and there's, you know, well, there's, I mean, he's from Australia. They're not as uptight as we are. There's, you know, Beverly Hills Cop. There's, well, Porky's definitely good. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, the nudity in Porky's one kind of made sense. But when you get to two and three, it was just gratuitous and stupid. The third one was so bad. So bad. But and the, that's, the, the, that's when the bad boob jobs are starting to be really evident. Yeah. Why do you have two misshapen bricks where your titties are supposed to be? Yeah, and then there's the oh my god, why can't I remember the names of the movies? There are like five of them, the police movies uh, from Police Academy. Yes, there's eight of them. Eight. See, you would know this. Well, I found, I found a box set of all of them, like (laughs) movies for like eight dollars. I'm like, you know what? That's worth the investment. And just watching them all the way through, and some of them actually still hold up pretty good. Like the jokes still work, and you can tell by the end after Steve Gutenberg left to go make more cocoon movies and shit. You know, um, the the other cast got to do more stuff. Like remember the big blonde with like the the huge rack? Yeah, she was actually a hell of a singer. She got to sing in the last one. And I'm like, and I looked it up, was like, that really her singing? They're like, yeah, that was her singing. She could do like that kind of lounge lizard torch song thing. I'm like, son of a bitch. Why wasn't she singing more often? I mean, granted, seeing her in a wet t-shirt in the pool, no complaints there. But I'm like, God damn it, she could sing. I don't know. I remember being fairly young and being terrified of her, actually, though. Well, she was supposed to be like, you know, tough as nails. But I know she actually went on. She did... Um, the House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, and she did a couple of action movies, if I remember right. But she played the mom of the Firefly Psycho Killers, and she was scary there. Holy fuck, was she scary? That that checks out. And then you know, I used to always want—I wanted to be Steve Gutenberg. Just straight up did. He was goofy. He was affable. And I disappeared. Usually got the girl. I've disappeared for long periods of time, kind of like he did. So, you know, he's been on the, the, I think it's the Goldbergs, actually, in the last couple of seasons. I think he plays a counselor or a teacher. Yeah, he kind of disappeared in the 90s. You know, with nothing there for the odds. I don't know if he was just living off his money. Of course, he kind of kind of became a bit of a punchline. Well, you yeah, know? when when you get that big that fast, you know... Well, just doing stupid shit, too. I mean, no one's going to take you seriously as being the lead of the Police Academy movies. True. Now, other cult... I guess, you know, my biggest cult movie by far is going to be Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. Another solid solid midnight movie. I mean, to me, what makes a good cult movie is you can tell they had a budget of about a buck fifty. 
Well, yeah, they talk about in the, the making of that how they actually had to, for all the castle scenes, they were supposed to be different castles, but they still had to keep using the same one. Well, it's just good filmmaking, you know, you shoot from different angles. Well, I mean, that one, my, my love for that movie is evident by the fact that I have I'm Not Dead Yet tattooed on my forearm. And rightly so. Now yours. Go ahead. Um, so th- there's certain David Lynch movies that I love. Okay. And, you know, whenever I'm like, if I'm like, around like a group of women, they start talking about rom-coms. And I'm like, I can't stand rom-coms. If you want to, no. if you want to talk about like a romantic movie, let's talk about uh, David Lynch's Wild at Heart with Laura oh, Dern God. and Nicolas Cage. That, you know, yeah. for me, that's a romance movie because they go through hell and back, all kinds of weird shit. And they're oddly hot together. Of course, watching him like slam dance is hilarious. Um, and you know, it's before Lynch kind of got bigger. I want to say that was before. Um, oh, what the hell? Uh, Twin Peaks. Um, you know, a lot of people they'll mention like the Elephant Man, which is a good flick, but it's hard to watch repeatedly. I the think of that uh... was really realistic. If you're talking about 90s ones, I think of Lost Highway. That one's hard to process. I mean, you want to talk about a cult movie, it's something you can actually enjoy again and again. That one for me was just was about the soundtrack. I think it was one of the first ones that Trent Reznor um, put together. And oh, yeah, I think you're right. Some seriously messed up stuff on that one. Like, uh, well, we, we can't talk about them a whole lot now, but Marilyn Manson doing a cover of I uh, Put a Spell on You, I think was on that one. Oh, that's where I came from. Okay. You know, he actually, as a band, they did better covers than they did original music, and I'll stand by that all day long. Like, their cover of Personal Jesus was phenomenal. Oh, the Fesh Boats song? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trent Reznor did a cover of Keys Get Down, Make Love, and that was just savage and awesome. That was used in your play, if I remember right. We used that as like the intermission music in uh, Searching for a Soulmate, didn't we? Um, we may have. God, that was so long ago. We'll, we'll have to talk about our theatrical shit some other time. Um, but anyway, so back to cult movies. So, you know, people talk about like, you know, if you're going to sit down and like, you're gonna, you have to suffer through like a rom-com. Obviously, nothing with Reese Witherspoon. Each. Much as I love her, her movies cost me physical pain. Um, there's a one. It's it's a this this artist named Miranda July. She makes these little quirky movies, and I saw this. Uh, I don't know if I saw it in a video or some little art festival. It's called Me and You and Everyone We Know, and it has all these character actors in there that you probably don't know their names, but you've seen them and stuff. And it just has this. One of the, the many subplots, this guy's breaking up with his wife, he's not processing it well, and he kind of hooks up with this other quirky gal, and they're so awkward together, and they, they take their time, and they kind of, like, figure some shit out, and it's just fucking beautiful, and I'm like, if I have to sit through, and I've done this before, and I was dating gals, I'm like, if you can sit through this movie with me and enjoy it, maybe we can do something here. But do not make me sit through anything with Kate Hudson. Yeah, I guess the only thing that I can think of as like a rom-com, kind of, that I ever really liked was uh, High Fidelity. Oh, and it's, it's part of, I mean, I read the book as well, which is even better. But 
I had so many people also tell me that I was John Cusack in that movie because of like the, the DJ thing and I had worked in a music store and had been in nothing but absolute shit relationships and stuff like that. Or relationships of convenience <laughs> at times. That and, you know, the Jack Black before he started doing Jumanji and stuff like that was actually good. Fun Jack Black story, though, is I think the only movie up until the point that I saw this movie that I had been to with another dude was with you, and it was uh, Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. I was just thinking about that. You know, they were hoping <laughs> so bad to have a cult movie, but it just... There was full of weird shit, but it was only stuff that Tenacious D and Jack Black fans could get into. I mean, the mark of a true cult movie, it pulls in other people from different kind of backgrounds and tastes. And that one was just like, yeah, no. Well, um, they did. They this did is his final get, tap. They got, uh, well, there's one. But they did manage to get Dave Grohl to be the devil. That was awesome. That was awesome. You know, Spinal Tap is something I need to revisit. It, well, so you ever the movie Sideways about the guy who's going to the wine tasting? Just, just drinking wine for three start yeah. straight hours, yeah. And so I watched that before I got into the wine biz. Then I just watched it a couple weeks ago with some friends. I'm, having, I'm basically having, like, PTSD because, you know, suddenly all this shit became very real for me. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I am Paul Giamatti in this thing. <laughs> you know, just like sampling wine with somebody and look over and it's just like, are you fucking chewing gum? You know, and, you know, you got one person totally geeked out about stuff, tells all the background, tells all about, like, the grave and shit like that. And the other person is like, yeah, this will get me drunk. <laughs> That's where you have to get drinking. Yeah, come on, let's get drunk. Now, speaking of your business, is there a, is there a cult movie that wine enthusiasts should watch? Um, there's one I always recommend, and it's actually made by Maynard from the band Tool. Oh, God. Because he has his own winery, I think, down in, like, Arizona or something. And it's this goofy-ass little... I mean, this really is a cult movie because it's this hodgepodge of shit. Because he gets, like, his famous friends to come in and do some comedy bits. And then um, it shows him trying to get this winery going out in the desert. And then at the end of the movie, he actually has this wine critic come on and sample out his wine. And, you know, so he's got his, this basic cab, I think he named after his mom. Then he has these other ones he's trying to get a little more artsy-fartsy with. And the guy tastes through them. And, you know, he's like, I understand what you're trying to do here with these other ones, these artsy-fartsy ones, but seriously, your best one is this first one named after your mom. And, you know, so it's just kind of funny where you come back around to where you started, because that's obviously where your passion was. And there's a hilarious fucking scene where, like, they're, they're doing this interview with him, and there's a tight camera on him, and he's really squirming about, like, doing this interview, and he's like, guys, this isn't the best time. He's like, no, no, just answer the questions. And then... The camera pulls back, and you, you see him with his pants around his ankles. He's dropping a deuce. <laughs> and then, to make it funnier, he reaches behind the toilet and pulls up a can of air spray and goes... <laughs> and the comedy timing is awesome. You probably just find that scene somewhere on the internet. But, yeah, if you want a cult movie about, like, wine and winemaking and other weird stuff, like... Uh, 
uh, who's the guy from uh, Better Call Saul? Bob. Um, oh, uh, Odenkirk from on Alaska, I believe. Uh, so Odenkirk is actually got this bit thing in there where he, he plays this morose Frenchman, just kind of waxing philosophic about life and wine and philosophy. And it's funny as hell to like Odenkirk doing weird shit. I did just see, uh, finally saw nobody with him. Oh my god, that movie is awesome. That is fantastic. If you want to see him being less than emo for a change, watching Bob Odenkirk, you know, kick ass for... Well, the that is Christopher Lloyd as his dad? Yeah. I, I mean, where the hell did that come from? And the, the, who is his stepbrother? Was it like the RZA? Yeah, yeah. And then like Christopher Lloyd, I, I actually watched that one with my mom because she was a big fan of Breaking Bad. Um, and explaining to my mom who the Wu-Tang Clan was is something I don't even want to try to explain. Oh my god, that's <laughs> that's a special moment trying to explain to your mom like, you know, Wu-Tang Clan or what skeet 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 means or stuff like that. My mom knows uh, what uh, Moose Knuckle is now too. She really oh, does. Nice. <laughs> Cause, wait, hey, you know, speaking of moms, can we, can we put out a little congratulations for yours? even though it's a, it's a sad day for me. I know. You had your heart set on marrying my mom. My dad died. She went, checked up with another guy. So you have to wait for him to die because he's like 80-something. So there's, you're saying there's a chance. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. But I think he's actually going to outlive her. So. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we wrap up with uh, Mickey and Todd go to the movies with Al right there. 